Now, before I get into the talk for today, how many of you were here last week for my dad's talk? Okay, you remember that acronym he gave us? We've used it before, FROG, Fully Rely on God. Well, I had planned to have frogs to hand out, and they didn't arrive until Sunday night. So, I got those all ready to go, um, and I've got some folks passing them out. Um, Hopefully, I have enough. Um, And I'd like these to serve as kind of a constant reminder. They're keychains, so put them on your keys. Let it be a reminder of who you are and whose you are, and that there is one absolute certainty we can depend on throughout our lives. It is the certainty that in every moment we experience, God is working toward our greatest good. And so no matter what is happening, we can always rely on God. And I thought these frogs were awfully cute. They're better in person than they were on Amazon, so I hope you enjoy them. This month, we're asking the question, what would I love? And it's kind of a big question when you stop to think about it. Um, And although we may not realize it, we all ask ourselves exactly that regularly. And more often than not, some questions that we ask in order to figure out what we would love are, what should I do? What can I afford to do? What will people think of me if I do? What do people expect me to do? Those are big ones, those last two. Or we may preface it by saying, if only I could, I. I wish I could. It would be great if, right? But that's not what we're doing this month. We are focusing on the power of living from, to, and as love. And I love how much we are loved and supported by the universe. You all know that I don't watch TV, but it may surprise you to learn that I also shy away from social media. And that's because I find that once I start looking at whatever's going on with it, my day disappears. You look down and you follow someone's thread, and the next thing you know, you look up and it's lunchtime. Anybody else have that experience? Yeah, and that's why I avoid it. This past Monday, I inadvertently clicked on a Twitter alert on my phone. I was trying to swipe it out of the way because it was blocking my solitaire game, which is far more important, and it thought my swipe was a click. So what opened up was a quote from Rumi. Let yourself be silently drawn by the strange pull of what you really love. It will not lead you astray. It's kind of cool that it came up the day after my dad talked about letting the question, what would we love, guide where we focus our time and our attention and our resources this month. So there we have it. We are definitely on the perfect path this month, and we have confirmation via Twitter to prove it. That's reputable, right? That's pretty cool. So today we're going to take a different direction from last week, and in fact, we're going to turn our what would we love question, we're going to turn it around a bit and ask, what can we expect from love? And expectations are 
are one of those things where you can fall into a trap. We're going to use it in the most positive possible way here. And since the dawn of recorded history, people have been answering exactly that question. From the gospel according to John, chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Jack and Cornelia Addington in their book, Your Needs Met, wrote on page 94, Love walks in and opens the door when all else fails. There is no problem on earth that love cannot heal. Love is the answer to every human need. And from the Science of Mind on page 298, Ernest Holmes wrote, Love is the grandest healing and drawing power on earth. It is the very reason for our being. No one can swing out into the universal without love, for the whole universe is based upon it. Those are pretty bold statements, aren't they? And if they are true, then we should be able to rely on love, shouldn't we? Let's take a closer look. In his book, The Path to Love, Deepak Chopra offers some straightforward, beautiful words on how we can rely on love. And he said, love is meant to heal. Love is meant to renew. Love is meant to make us feel safe. Love is meant to inspire us with its power. Love is meant to make us certain without doubt. Love is meant to oust all fear. Love is meant to unveil immortality. Love is meant to bring peace. Love is meant to harmonize differences. Love is meant to bring us closer to God. And I especially love that last one because when that last one happens, all the others follow. What a cool side effect, right? You get that last one down and build your foundation upon it and all the rest falls into place. Love is meant to bring us closer to God. And in order to be brought closer to God so that we can experience healing, renewal, safety, inspiration, peace, and that beautiful harmonizing of differences we all seek. We must open our hearts to love. More specifically, we must open our hearts to God's love. Remember Holmes' words, no one can swing out into the universal without love, for the whole universe is based upon it. And God's love is trying to get our attention all the time, but we've often been blinded, either by what we've been told about God or by our human experiences with that type of love that wasn't really love. You know what I mean? I know most of you know what I'm talking about. Um, And I'm sure you can all agree that it would not be pleasant to experience an infinite version of that kind of love, right? But God's love is always trying to get our attention. 
As most of you know, I have the honor and privilege of leading chapel for the Barnhart kids during the week. So I'm always looking for stories and quotes and stuff I can use to keep their attention and help make sense for them of whatever virtue we're focusing on each week because we participate in the virtues project here. And I love this little story that I found. Before listening to the little one's chest, one of the doctors on the pediatric ward would put the earpieces of the stethoscope into the child's ears and let them listen to their own hearts. And their eyes would always light up with awe. But she never got a response equal to four-year-old David's. She placed the disc over his heart. Listen, she said. What do you suppose that is? He drew his eyebrows together in a puzzled line and looked up as if lost in the mystery of that strange tap, tap, tapping deep in his chest. And then his face broke out in a wondrous grin as he asked, Is that God knocking? The truth is, the love of God is always knocking. It's always available. In the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 20, we read, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him. And in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verses 9 and 10, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. And again, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, you'll find that Luke and Matthew really echo each other. says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Think maybe they were in the same place at the same time? Yeah, me too. So the answer to little David's question is yes. Yes, that is God knocking. God is always knocking. Sometimes the stories that I find in my searches for chapel stuff, they aren't really appropriate for kids, but they're good. So I save them for you all. And here's one I've been sitting on. It's a true story about God's love and God's sense of humor. And it begins, Consumed by my loss, I didn't notice the hardness of the pew where I sat. I was at the funeral of my dearest friend, my mother, She'd finally lost her long battle with cancer, and the hurt was so intense I found it hard to breathe at times. Always supportive, mother clapped loudest at my school plays, held boxes of tissues while listening to my first heartbreak, comforted me at my father's death, encouraged me in college, and prayed for me my entire life. When mother's illness was diagnosed, my sister had a new baby, and my brother had recently married his childhood sweetheart, so it fell on me, the 27-year-old middle female child without entanglements, to take care of her. I counted it as an honor. What now, God? I silently asked as I sat in the church, 
My life stretched out before me as an empty abyss. My brother sat stoically with his face toward the altar while clutching his wife's hand. My sister sat, slumped against her husband's shoulder, his arms around her as she cradled their child, all so deeply grieving that no one noticed I sat alone. My place had been with our mother, preparing her meals, helping her walk, taking her to the doctor, making sure she took all of her medications, reading the Bible together. And now she was with God. My work was finished, and I was done. Sorry, I thought I could get through it without crying. Darn. I heard a door open and then slammed shut at the back of the church, and quick footsteps hurried along the carpeted floor. An exasperated young man looked around briefly and then sat next to me. He folded his hands and placed them on his lap. His eyes were brimming with tears, and he began to sniffle. Sorry I'm late, he whispered to me, although it wasn't necessary. After several eulogies, he leaned over and commented, Why do they keep calling Mary by the name of Margaret? Because that was her name, Margaret. Never Mary. No one called her Mary, I whispered. I wondered why this person couldn't have sat on the other side of the church. He interrupted my grieving with his tears and fidgeting. Who was this stranger anyway? No, that isn't correct, he insisted, as several people began to glance over at us, whispering, Her name is Mary, Mary Peters. That isn't who this is, I said to him. Isn't this the Lutheran church? He replied, no, the Lutheran church is across the street. Oh, he said, I believe you're at the wrong funeral, sir. The solemnness of the occasion mixed with the realization of this man's mistake and it bubbled up inside of me and came out as laughter. And I cupped my hands over my face hoping it would be interpreted as sobs. The creaking pew gave me away. Sharp looks from other mourners only made the situation more hilarious. I peeked at the bewildered, misguided man seated beside me, and he was laughing too as he glanced around, deciding it was probably too late for an uneventful exit. I imagined Mother laughing. At the final amen, we darted out the door and into the parking lot. I do believe we'll be the talk of the town, he smiled. He said his name was Rick. And since he had missed his aunt's funeral, he asked me out for a cup of coffee. That afternoon began a lifelong journey for me with this man who attended the wrong funeral, but was in the right place. A year after our meeting, we were married at a country church. This time we both arrived at the same church right on time. In my time of sorrow, God gave me laughter. In place of loneliness, God gave me love. This past June, we celebrated our 22nd wedding anniversary. Whenever anyone asks us how we met, Rick tells them her mother Margaret and my Aunt Mary introduced us. Ours is quite literally a match made in heaven. Isn't that a cool story?
And I thought, I know the ending, and I know it's happy, so I won't cry. Fail. Fail. But remember what I said earlier, love is meant to heal. Maybe for you it's, I want to heal my anger towards someone. Or maybe, I want to heal the love I didn't get as a child. Or I want to heal my body. Or even, I want to heal my heart from loss. Love is meant to renew. How about, I want to feel renewed enthusiasm for my work. I want to renew my zest for life. Love is meant to make us safe. I want to feel safe with other people. I want to feel safe alone. I want to feel safe to show my emotions. I want to feel safe as I move throughout this human experience. Love is meant to inspire us with its power and make us certain without doubt and fear. I want to have confidence in myself and in my abilities. Love is meant to unveil the truth of our immortal inner self. How about, I want to walk in trust that this leg of my soul's journey is just a small portion of a journey that is eternal. Love is meant to bring us peace. I want to sleep in peace and wake in joy. I want to live from a place of serenity and calm. Love is meant to harmonize differences. How about, I want to heal the relationship with whatever person or subject applies for you. I want to feel peace when there are disagreements or differences of opinion. Love is meant to bring us closer to God. I want to know, to feel, and experience the presence of divine love washing over me. What do you want from love? In A Path to Love, beginning on page 18, Chopra suggests writing it down. And then he says... Even if your list strikes you as unrealistic or wildly overblown, I want you to make a bargain with love, a soul bargain, that any or all of these things will be your experience. And let me add that once you're satisfied that you've detailed everything you want, and don't feel afraid that you're asking too much, but once you've done that, your commitment is made, the bargain is struck, Put your list away for safekeeping. Chopra goes on to say, you have announced to your soul what you want, and it is up to love to respond. Love is intelligent and aware. It knows you better than you know yourself. Therefore, it has the power to fulfill its side of the bargain. Rest easy and be attentive. Over the next few months, that's the key. Be attentive. Don't dwell on your list or try to make it come true. There's nothing you need to do except this. When you feel love, act on it. Speak your heart. Be truthful. Remain open. This is how you align yourself with love. At the end of a few months, take out your list 
and read it over. Ask yourself how much has come true. I won't say that you'll be amazed at what love has actually done, although you might be, but you will certainly be surprised. Actually, asking for love is one of the most difficult things for anyone to risk. But by risking it first in your heart, you open a door that will never close again. And again, that was from Path to Love by Deepak Chopra. We may still have a copy in the bookstore, but if not and you want it, I can order one. So let me know. New Thought author Emmett Fox once said, There is no difficulty that enough love will not conquer, no disease that enough love will not heal, no door that enough love will not open, no gulf that enough love will not bridge, no wall that enough love will not throw down, no wrong that enough love will not set right. It makes no difference how deeply seated may be the trouble, how helpless the outlook, how muddled the tangle, how great the mistake. A sufficient realization of love will dissolve it all. If only you will love enough, you will be the happiest, most powerful being in the world. I'd like to close with this meditation on love from the Science of Mind on page 513. Please close your eyes and silently affirm these words within you. The circle of love is complete. It comprehends all, includes all, and binds all together with cords of everlasting unity. I cannot depart from its presence nor wander from its care. My love is complete within me. The love of God binds me to itself and will not let me go. I shall make a home for you, O my wonderful love, and we shall journey through life hand in hand. I shall sit in your presence and learn the wondrous things you will tell me. You are God. Love sits within me. And so it is. Amen.